celebrate with me this morning. Six years of ministry here, tons of life change, people finding hope. It's been absolutely incredible. I've been in kind of a sentimental frame of mind this whole week, which is just wild. But I've been wondering about something. Since I'm the pastor and it's our birthday, don't I get a wish? Like, doesn't it work that way? Am I allowed to have a wish? And to be serious, I would tell you, I do have a wish, maybe more of a prayer request. And that would be that God would do something significant in your life today. That God would do something incredibly significant in your life today that you weren't even preparing for. I hope that you know that. I hope the fact that you walked through those doors today, there was some kind of reminder that God could do something significant in your life today. Maybe you even walked in here today a little bit reluctantly. Maybe you accepted an invitation that you're still wondering why you accepted, but you're here. And I pray, and I've been praying all week, and our team has been praying all week, that God would do something significant in your life today. So join me in just a word of prayer, and I'm going to pray for just that. God, uh, I, I don't know every story that just walked through that door, but you do. You know the people that are here that desperately need to know that, that you still see them. God, you, you see the people that are here, and they know that they've been maybe potentially following a path that has led them further away from you, and Man, you just want to guide them here, not through guilt, but your grace. God, I, I pray for something significant to happen in the lives of many today. I pray that we would be open to that. We'd be reminded that, that you actually want to accomplish that in and through our lives today. And so I pray that we are just a people of invitation, that even right now as I'm praying, as I'm speaking these words, that there are many people in this room right now just inviting your presence, inviting your power, inviting what we know you're capable to do. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Well, today I'm going to continue a conversation that we started last week. And for those of you that weren't here with us last week, I'll fill you in a little bit. Last week, we talked about being more open to the abundance of God in our lives. And we looked at this particular text in Ephesians chapter 3 that says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly... And that's where we just got to slow down, right? It's easy to read through maybe a Bible verse that you've heard a lot. And it's just, it's probably healthy for us to slow down and read those three words slowly, far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. You see, as followers of Jesus, I think God is making it clear through that text that he wants to encourage us to invite his abundance into our lives, Last week, I talked a little bit about how I've been on a journey when it comes to this, because I would tell you, I would confess to you today that I'm not very good at inviting the abundance of God into my life. And recently, I had a friend challenge me in this, and I appreciated that. He challenged me to be more open to the abundance of God in my life, and I wasn't even sure exactly how to translate that or how to define that. And we're going to talk about that today a little bit, but that led me on a journey to think through, well, why don't I do that? Because again, I'd confess to you today, I don't feel like I'm very good at inviting the abundance of God into my life. And then I kind of landed on maybe the most obvious answer, and that was the reason I don't invite the abundance of God into my life is because I can too clearly see my own limitations. I can too clearly see my own limitations, and maybe you can relate to that. And what happens, because we can too clearly see our own limitations, is we start to measure God's capabilities through our capacity, I mean, think about this for a moment. Have you, ever, have you ever dumbed down potentially what God could do in your life because you can't see his capabilities because of your own capacity? I wonder how often we don't invite the abundance of God because we just can't see past our own insecurity, our own limitations, our own scars. We're gonna talk about that today. 
But I wanna let every single person in this room to know without a shadow of a doubt, listen to me, that the abundance of God and all that he has to offer, the abundance of God is on the table for every one of us. The abundance of God is on the table for every one of us, but we also need to be aware that we have an enemy that wants to take that away. We have an enemy that wants to do everything that he can to keep from us embracing this abundant life that Jesus came to give us. I mean, in John chapter 10, Jesus made it pretty clear. He said, the thief, you can call him whatever you want, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So there's that word again, Jesus re-emphasizing, no, 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 listen guys, I came to give you life in abundance. The abundant life that I came to give you, like that's one of the reasons I came. It's on the table for every single one of you, but you have to be aware that there's an enemy, a thief, and I love that language because the narrative around this idea of a thief really helps us to understand that, that Satan wants to steal that from you. That Satan wants to do everything he can to take that away from you. And that one of his greatest tactics, if you ask me, is just to keep pointing you to your own limitations, to start measuring God's capabilities through your own capacity. Now, I was saving this for a future sermon because we're probably gonna do a series in the future on like heaven and hell and angels and demons, but as I was processing through this particular message, I thought, you know what, I feel like I need to bring a part of that up now. And here's what I wanna show you. I think the church has done a huge disservice to depict Satan in this particular way, right? I mean, this is kind of the quintessential devil here. He's got the red skin and the scary face and teeth and the, the horns and the infamous you know, pitchfork. And the reason why I would tell you that the church has done a disservice to the average Christian by depicting Satan in this way, because this is not how Satan looks. Listen to me, he's beautiful. If you're new to the church, I want you to know that Satan used to be an archangel. There's only a few of them and they're beautiful creatures. He was an archangel, but when he challenged God and wanted the worship for himself, he was kicked out of heaven alongside of some other angels that we now refer to as demons, but you must understand, again, I just wanna keep going back to this. By us depicting him in a way that's like fearful and scary, we're actually minimizing how you need to prepare against his tactics, because listen to me, he's beautiful and he doesn't need to scare you. He doesn't want to scare you because if he scared you, that would probably make you fall to your knees and want God to come into your life in a deeper way. No, 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 what he wants to do is just show you something else to get your eyes off of Jesus and to show you something that oftentimes is beautiful. He's incredibly intelligent. The last thing that he wants to do is to scare the hell out of you. I said that on purpose, right? Don't send me an email, think about it, it works. That's the last thing he wants you to do. He doesn't want, it, want you send you in the direction of running after God because of fear. He just wants to keep you distracted. He just wants to keep you discouraged. He just wants to get your eyes off of Jesus. How many of you guys are board game fans? Any board game fans in the room? Yeah, we love a good board, ga board game in the Pennington household. And here recently we were playing code names and we have four kids. So it was me and two kids and my wife Emily and two kids and we were going against each other. And here were the pictures. We had the Disney version that we were jamming to. This is what happens when you get three girls. And so we were doing the, the Disney version of code names and all I needed to do was get one more card and our team was gonna win. And I got a little bit of a competitive bone in me. I gotta be careful sometimes. But I'm like, all right, we got this. We got this, guys. This is gonna be easy. I just gotta give you one clue. We need one more card. We're gonna win. You ready? You ready? 
monster. Now, if you were to look at these cards, which one would you clearly see is a monster, okay? And let's narrow it down a little bit. Between these two cards, which one would you clearly say is a monster? I mean, the one of them is in the movie Monsters, Inc. Come on, somebody. I mean, like, I needed a little bit of help, but my kids, and I'm not even going to tell you which kids they were because I don't want to throw them under the bus this morning, but they pointed to Scar, to which I held my head in defeat, and I'm like, how did I raise to, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> but I could not believe that it wasn't more obvious to them. I'd be curious today to know how many of you would be willing to admit out of a lot of reasons why you're not embracing the abundance of God, that maybe one of the number one reasons is because you can't get past your scars. Just like my kid pointed out, scar in that particular game, instead of the obvious answer, it was obvious. <laughs> maybe it's hard for you to not see past your scars. Maybe it's hard for you to not allow the enemy, and he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he does this so subtle, so subtle. Just keep pointing out your scars. Keep pointing out that failure, that mistake. Keep pointing out the ways that you've not been able to overcome the potential challenges in your life in the past. <laughs> he just wants to keep pointing out your limitations. He wants to keep pointing to your scars. Maybe some of those scars are relational in nature. Maybe some of them are emotional. Maybe some of you have had some pretty bad church experiences and you would say that they were spiritual in nature. Maybe some of them were self-inflicted through some unwise decisions on your part, while others were things that happened to you that were completely out of your control. And can I take a moment right there? Is it okay if I just pause there for a moment? because maybe somebody just needs to hear this today and it's worth me pausing. It never should have happened. God did not want that to happen to you. I don't know how you've interpreted, interpreted it over the years, but I promise you God did not want that to happen to you. And he doesn't want it to become a part of your identity that every time you look into the future, you can't help but notice that scar and that wound first. Maybe for you it was a mistake. Maybe for you it was a huge failure. Maybe for you it was depression and is depression. Maybe it's the addiction you can't overcome. It's your anxiety. Maybe it's your inability to overcome you fill in the blank this morning. You see, all Satan needs to do is to keep your eyes focused on those things because listen to me, if he can keep you focused on those things, he doesn't need to scare you, but if he can keep you focused on those things, what you'll likely do is defer to fear before you defer to faith. And if he can just keep you fearful of the future, of what you could actually ever overcome on your own, if he can just keep you fearful, if he can just keep your eyes fixed on something else, you will likely defer to your fear before you defer to faith. That's exactly what he wants. But I'm here to tell somebody today, listen to me. I am here to tell somebody today that you were made for so much more than what you often settle for. Maybe you need to write that down. You were made for so much more than what you often settle for. Can I get an amen this morning? You can start to interact with me a little bit because I'm passionate about what I'm going to be bringing to you this morning. 
If you're new to all of this and you're not even sure, it's like, okay, Aaron, what does that even mean? Like, what does the abundance of God mean? What is it that God wants for me? I'm new to all of this. Maybe you have no idea what that, like where to even start. And that's a big question with a lot of answers, but I would first take you to Galatians chapter five. And Paul gives us what's known as the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And he calls them fruits because this is something that God wants to produce inside of you, just like a fruit. He wants to produce these things inside of you. And listen, he doesn't want you just to have a little bit of them. He wants you to have an abundance of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you imagine how different our world would be if the average Christian was walking around with an abundance of those things? Now, the abundance of God goes far beyond that, but just the fruits of the Spirit. If we were all walking around with an abundance of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, think how different the world would be. Think how many people would think about the things that we do and hear differently. Think about how many invitations will be accepted because they see Jesus in us more clearly. And instead of fighting about political things, they can see the power of God at work in our lives because we're embracing the abundance of all that God wants for each of us. But once again, as God is trying to produce those in your life, your enemy is trying to steal them at the very same moment. This is why Peter tells us to be alert and of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm. Somebody say, stand firm. Standing firm in the faith because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same, excuse me, kind of sufferings. In Ephesians 6, Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Same kind of language, standing firm against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authority. Somebody needs to take note of this today. You've lost sight of the fact that you are in a spiritual war against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. His tactic is not to scare you. His scheme is just to point something else out that might look enticing, that might look attractive. All he needs to do is to keep your eyes off of Jesus. All he needs to do is to help you to forget that you're, all, you're in a spiritual war and that you've got an enemy coming after you every day. I was talking to my team this past week and I mentioned how if we, if we all knew and or could see all the ways that the enemy is coming after us individually, like you and you and you and you and you, every single day that he's got a specific target and a specific scheme in your life and how he's specifically coming after you, knowing your weak points, if you knew how much of that was happening every single day, I promise you it would make you drop to your knees every single morning, inviting God to dwell with you that day, to be able to defend off the tactics and the schemes of the enemy, asking the Holy Spirit to abide with you as you face this spiritual war. Or maybe, maybe he entices you, right? He wants to show you something beautiful, something that at first maybe doesn't seem all that bad. And so he entices you with things like sex 
and money and power and pleasure and comfort. Now, let me show you something really quick, okay? Because in the hands of Jesus, these things can be incredible. In the hands of Jesus, these things can be powerful. I would personally tell you that I'm incredibly grateful for at least one of these things, which is why we have four kids. You can fill in the dots. I love you. But watch. In the hands of our enemy, oh, they become very destructive. In the hands of our enemy, they lead to tons of brokenness. I see it every day. In the hands of our enemy, they keep you from living in the abundance of all that God has to offer. I want you to think just for a moment, I mean, just over the last 2,000 years since Jesus walked this earth, we've been in this human experiment. And wouldn't you conclude alongside of me that these things are actually some of the biggest distractions for humanity? That in this list, that these are the things that keep people from focusing on the abundance of God instead of just pursuing them outside of the framework in which God wants to provide them? I wanna narrow down my audience for a second. That's okay, I wanna narrow down the audience. Because some of you in here today would say, there was a time where you experienced God differently than you do right now. There was a time when you experienced potentially and tasted the abundance of God that he has to offer you, that Jesus came to give you. And the reason you know that you had it once is because we talked about how the majority of us, the fact that you showed up today tells me that you probably want Jesus to be the priority in your life. But sometimes with time and decisions and a lack of intentionality on our part, what happens instead of him being the priority is that he'll drift over into the periphery. And it doesn't mean you lost sight of him. Listen to me, it doesn't mean you lost sight of him. But maybe you only look to him when you need him. Maybe you only look to him when you feel like you've lost hope instead of him being the priority. And so maybe some of you would say, there was a time in my life where I tasted it, where I experienced it. And the reason I know I experienced it is because I now know that I've lost it. I had it. When I first became a follower of Jesus, man, I was so passionate. Some of you might be able to identify with this. I was so passionate in my faith. I went to church on Sundays. I went to church Sunday night. I went to church on Wednesday and I couldn't get enough of God. I was in his word. I was praying. I would tell you that there were probably years. I think I can say this sincerely. Years that went by that I didn't miss a day of prayer, personal time with God. I had, and I, I had those moments with, with God where I could feel his presence just tangibly when I was singing worship songs. I had those moments where I'd be listening to a worship song on the radio, then I'd walk into church and they'd be singing the same worship song. And I'm like, that's for me. Yeah, God, I see you. And it's like, it wasn't, but it's like, that's what you felt because you felt so close to God. And I prayed consistently for God to set up what I call divine appointments so that I could speak to people of Jesus, le leading some people to faith in Christ for the first time. I think the people around me would tell you, would have told you, that my faith was contagious. I couldn't get enough of God. It just exuded out of me. I had it. And then about three years ago, I realized that I lost it. And I didn't necessarily know why. It was a slow fade. It was a slow drift. But after taking some time to kind of assess where my life was in that point, I'm like, I feel like and I hate to admit to th this to you as a pastor, I feel like I'm praying publicly more than I'm praying privately because I'm a pastor, I'm kind of supposed to pray publicly. I wasn't in God's word unless I needed to study for a sermon. 
I wasn't praying for God to set up divine appointments for me to talk to people about Jesus. I would even tell you that some of that spiritual passion, maybe a lot of it, was replaced with spiritual passivity. I had it, but I lost it. Maybe some of you can relate today. Some of you can remember a time when you experienced God differently. And it's been a minute since you felt that deeper sense of connection and conviction. And maybe because you haven't experienced it in a while, you've lowered your expectations of ever receiving it again. Because listen, I mean, if we lower our expectations of what God could do in our lives, if we lower our expectations, then maybe we wouldn't be as disappointed, right? Listen to me. That's no way to live. That's no way to live. And it's not, it's not gonna lead you to the abundant life that Jesus came to give each and every one of us. Abundant life is on the table for every single one of us. And so maybe you lost it. I wanna help you get it back. <laughs> Last year, I started a journey with Jesus where I kept coming back to him over and over. And some of you, if you've been around for a while, maybe know that I took a sabbatical. And during my sabbatical, I was inviting God. I'm like, God, I just want it back. I want that spiritual fervency back. I want that passion back. Would you show me why it's no longer with me? And one of the first things I felt like God was impressing on me was this. Aaron, the first thing I need you to do is act on the obvious. You know there's some obvious things in your life that you need to start doing again and some things you need to stop doing. And I would tell you for some of you in this room today that can identify with he's no longer a priority but he's in your periphery, I just want you to act on the obvious. And then I started to define some lines in my life. And again, don't let your head go too far with this, but I had allowed some things to creep into my life that, uh, that caused me some of that spiritual passivity. And so I knew I needed to define some lines that I wasn't willing to cross. And I made those lines incredibly clear. And then I started creating more margin for God to speak to me in my life. Giving God margin, if you remember, I preached a whole sermon on this, where it's like, let's give God the space and time to show us something that we could have never seen on our, on our own. I promise you, God wants to help you to see things that you would never be able to see on your own, but that will never happen unless you give him that space, unless you give him that time in your day. I would tell you that a lot of the preaching that I've been doing over the last year is coming out of this journey some of the things I just mentioned, you might be able to think back and remember a sermon. Listen, that is coming from a different place in my soul. I'm on this journey with you. I want to open myself up to the abundance of all that God has to offer because I don't want to leave anything on the table. What if you did as well? Maybe you lost it. If you did, I want to help you get it again. If you're here and you're thinking, I've never had it, then I want to help you find it for the first time. Because listen to me, you were made for so much more than what you often settle for. So much more. So what I want to do today is I want to, I want to read to you a passage from Revelation chapter 3 that helped me that helped me to open my eyes and start to think about my faith differently, to see the obvious things that I needed to start making some movement on in my life, putting some intentional action steps in place because you will never find yourself in a place of change without intentional action. And so I wanna read this to you today, beginning in verse one, Re Revelation three, verse one. He says, I know, and again, this was to a church called Sardis, but I think it could be relevant. I know it can be relevant for us today. He says, I know all the things that you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, 
but you're dead. Wake up. Somebody say, wake up. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead. I wonder if as your pastor today, and I don't use this language very often because I wanna be careful when I do use it, but I wonder if as your pastor today, you would allow me to prophetically speak into your life because today I wanna get potentially in some of your faces and say, wake up, (laughs) wake up. Strengthen what little remains and I hope it's more than just a little Maybe you've been living in a way that doesn't acknowledge that you have a real enemy that's coming at you every single day, wanting to steal and kill and destroy the hope that Jesus wants to breed inside of you. Wake up. Some of you know that you've not been walking in in wisdom. You know that the decisions you're making, you can feel the conviction of God saying, I want something better for you. I'm trying to steer you in a different direction. I'm not trying to heap shame on you because Jesus came to take the shame off of you, but I'm trying to show you that you're going in a direction I don't want you to walk in any longer and you've not been walking in wisdom. I'm asking you to listen to that still small voice and say yes to it and keep pursuing God. I'm asking some of you to wake up today. You have a real enemy that's coming at you every single day that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God is trying to accomplish. Wake up. Some of you would admit you've allowed Jesus to drift into the periphery instead of him being your priority. Some of you need to act on the obvious today. Just act on the obvious. God doesn't need to spell it out. You don't need a burning bush moment. You just need to act on the obvious. I'm telling you to wake up today. And listen to me, when Satan, stay with me, when Satan is trying to get you fixated on the scar, when Satan is trying to get your eyes off of Jesus and just keep showing you your scars, let that be a moment that you're reminded that by his stripes, you are healed. Can I get an amen this morning? By his stripes, you are healed. Wake up, strengthen what little remains. I'm gonna pick up in verse three, go back to what you heard and believed at first. I love this, and I did this. Go back to what you heard and believed at first and ready, hold it firmly, hold it tightly. Guys, we hold near, we hold near what we value. Hold it tightly, hold it firmly, repent and turn to him again. Some of you need to go back and remember who you were before Jesus came into your life. You need to remember how lost and hopeless you were. You need to remember how overcome you were with guilt before you understood his grace. You need to remember the addiction. You need to remember the compromises in your relationships. You need to remember the sexual promiscuity. You you need to remember how dishonest you had the, the tendency to be. You need to go back and remember the moment that you realized that you were set free from sin and darkness. You need to go back and remember what it felt like to know that God loves you just as you are. That you don't have to go fix your life first. His grace is that sufficient for you. That he loves you just as you are. Nothing you can ever do will make God love you anymore and there's nothing that you can ever do to make God love you any less. Anybody else thankful for that this morning? You need to remember. You need to remember what it was like, those moments where you just felt God pressing in on you in worship and you knew that he was with you and that he was for you. I remember, I go back and I remember that moment when I was in a jail cell and I was done with my former way of life. I knew that that life and that path that I'd been following up to that point, that I should expect to land in places like jail. And I remember truly repenting and turning to God and just asking for him to come and guide me because there was gonna be some decisions in front of me that weren't gonna be easy to make. I needed to say no to some friendships that had been informing me in the wrong direction, informing my bias. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I needed to say no to some sceneries 
in some environments that were no longer good for my soul. And I knew it was gonna be hard, but I felt the presence of God with me in that jail cell. I knew he was with me. I knew he was for me. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Wake up, church. Wake up and strengthen what remains. Remember what you believed at first and hold to it tightly. And repent and turn to him again. What's at stake? Listen to me, what's at stake? Abundant hope, abundant peace, abundant joy, abundant love, abundant life. I wanna narrow my audience down once again. And I wanna talk to some of you in here that you've been listening to the lies for so long that you don't even know what to believe right now. You don't know what's true and what's not. You're still even kind of deciphering through the things that I've communicated thus far. And I don't know if I believe in all that. I don't know what to accept. I don't, I don't know what God wants for me and maybe you can really identify with this idea of not being able to see past your scars. And if that's you today, I'm here to help and I wanna help. And I've known for a while what I was gonna be preaching on on this day and I've been thinking about you, specifically those of you that can't see past your scars. You've been believing so many lies you don't even know what to think right now. And so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna take us through something that hopefully will help lead you to maybe a breakthrough moment. If you've been coming to Trace for any amount of time, you hear us make this statement a lot that most of us are like the rest of us. And the reason that statement is so important is because when the enemy convinces you that that struggle and that sin and that scar is just you, that's a big victory for him. Because if he, conven if he can convince you that it's just you, then he'll keep you isolated and stuck. Some of you would say that's exactly what you feel right now, I feel stuck. I wanna help you to maybe have a breakthrough moment today. Last week, if you weren't here, I asked our congregation to fill out a card that had some questions on it. Some of them were very difficult questions to answer and I encouraged everyone to just kind of be prepared for that. You're gonna, you're gonna read some questions and they're going to elicit some emotion. They're gonna bring some past up and some history up. And what I'd like you to do right now, if you got one of those cards when you came in, is go ahead and get that out. Raise your hand if you didn't get one of those cards because this exercise is gonna be important for all of us. If you didn't get a card when you walked in today, will you raise your hand? Hi. Look around. There's one over here, a couple over here. Keep your hand up. There's one by that pole right there, John. And as they're doing that, I would tell you that even though I can clearly say this statement right here with absolute certainty, that not one decision that you've ever made disqualifies you from the abundance of God, you still feel stuck and not sure how to invite that into your life. And so I wanna go through this exercise with this really quick. What I'm gonna ask for you to do today, because you didn't, if you've got a card in your hand, you didn't fill that out, somebody else filled that out. I wanna ask that you would stand up on behalf of someone else today. Would you stand up on behalf of someone else, okay? So number one, have you ever doubted if God is real? If that person answered yes, would you stand to your feet today? <laughs> okay, you can have a seat. Have you ever struggled with depression, crippling fear, or anxiety? If they answered yes, stand to your feet. 
You can have a seat. Have you ever lied to, gossiped about, or made fun of another person? Stand to your feet. Okay, you can have a seat. Have you ever been addicted to something? Go ahead and stand. Look around, church. <laughs> have a seat. Have you ever been physically or sexually abused? Stand up. Breaks my heart. You can have a seat. <laughs> have you ever thought about or attempted suicide? Stand up. You have a seat. Have you ever had a sexual relationship with someone that you're not married to? Stand up. You can have a seat. Have you ever struggled to believe that God likes you, that God loves you, and wants good things for you? Stand to your feet. You can sit down. Do you have any secrets? You can have a seat. If you thought you were alone, you aren't. If you thought you wouldn't be welcomed here if we really knew you, you are. If you thought your failures disqualified you from forgiveness, they don't. If you thought you couldn't come back because you walked away once, you can. If you thought there was no hope, there is. If you thought your scars were going to shape your future, listen to me, they don't have to. They don't have to. If you're ready to take a step and move into the direction of making Jesus a priority in your life today, again, you can. Some of you need to take a step for the first time. Others need to take a step for the first time in a long time. Today, someone stood up for you, but I'm here to remind every one of you today that Jesus, he stood in the gap for you between life and death. Without him, the Bible, st the Bible says that you stand condemned, but with him, you stand complete. Without him, the Bible says you're an enemy of God, but with him, you become a child of God. Without him, you will be attacked and defeated. But with him, you are more than a conqueror. Listen to me. Without him, your scars will define your future. But with him, by, your, by his stripes, you are healed. Can I get an amen this morning? Yeah, go ahead. I want to lead us into a time of response right now, church. And I pray that something significant happens in your life and in your faith. Why can't, why can't today be a defining moment for you? Why not today? It's a defining moment for us as a church. We're celebrating six years. And I, I gotta be careful every time I talk about this because I get so emotional. But the fact that I see what God's doing here in and through this guy, and not that it's been just about me because by all means it hasn't. We've got an incredible team of people that have helped to accomplish incredible ministry in this church. But the fact that he has been able to accomplish so much in and through me, I know he can do something significant in you. Stop limiting God's capabilities. 
through your capacity. We're gonna enter into a time of response right now where we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we're gonna do that several different ways today. For those of us that have been following Jesus and we've made that decision, we're gonna celebrate with something called communion. We've got little tables around the room that have some bread and crackers on them that represent his body. And then we've got some juice that represents his blood. And we remember that through his death, burial, and resurrection that we are promised abundant life if we want to step into it. It's on the table for every one of us that we can walk in new life every single day. For others, I'm gonna invite you to exercise 15 seconds of courage. And maybe you've never made the decision to make Jesus the leader and Lord of your life and encourage you to do that today and come up and grab a towel and I wanna encourage you to get baptized today. It's the immediate action step to putting faith in Christ. For others, I'm still gonna encourage you to come forward and grab a towel because maybe somebody else made the decision for you to get baptized. Maybe it was when you were an infant Maybe it was at some point in your younger life and when you look back on it, you think, man, that really wasn't my decision. That was a decision my parents made. Listen to me. The New Testament is absolutely clear. This is a decision you are supposed to make. No one else, 15 seconds of courage today could do something so significant that it would bring abundant life on the table for you in a way that you've never seen it or experienced it. For some of you, you would say that you were baptized for all the wrong reasons. Maybe you did it out of peer pressure. Maybe you did it out of an emotional response, but you didn't even know what you were doing. Listen to me, and this is absolutely critical. Listen, baptism is never supposed to be a motion that you go through. It's supposed to be a miracle that you take part in. And if that wasn't that experience for you, if baptism wasn't your understanding of sharing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and this may step on some people's toes, That means it wasn't a baptism. It's not about going underneath the water and just getting wet. If you don't understand the significance of how you're sharing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then I would tell you to make it significant today, to make it real, to share in that miracle. It's not the miracle of what's happening in the water. It's the miracle that already happened through Jesus rising from the dead. Yeah, you can clap, go ahead. Listen to the language in Romans chapter six. Or have you forgotten? Man, preach on that. Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus and baptized in baptism, we joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Hold on to that. Hold on to that tightly. We are no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ, we were set free. Somebody say set free. We were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we also live with him forever. Make it significant. If you think to yourself, well, I don't have any clothes, guess what, we got clothes for you. We're gonna give you a shirt that says set free. And I've done this long enough to know that somebody's in here right now and you think to yourself, man, I would look foolish if I went down and did that right now. Like I've been following Jesus for so long and yeah, if I think back, Pastor Aaron's right, like I didn't know what I was doing. For me, it was just getting wet. 
I don't care if you're with, if you're a grandpa and you're with your kids right now and you're thinking to yourself, man, I would look foolish in front of my kids. Listen to me. It's not about anybody else. It's about what God is calling you to do. Let this day be significant for you, not your kids, not your grandkids. Bring abundant life back on the table because you're, of your willingness to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, yes, yes. When you go underneath that water, there's nothing else you do in your faith journey that represents how you're sharing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You go underneath that water, it's a sign of you dying to your way of life. It's a burial. When you come up out of that water, and, and for those of you that don't make this decision today and you just watch it and observe it, when that person comes up out of the water, it's a sign of walking in new life that he's promised each of us. Representing the new life that we will also walk with God one day in person. It's amazing. For some of you, you've never done it. Others, somebody did it for you and you need to make it your own. Others, you did it for the wrong reasons and today you need to make it significant for you. It's between you and God, nobody else. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up and there's a song that God put on my heart specifically for this moment in this service several weeks ago. It's called Run to the Father. I pray that this song becomes a moment of significance for you. I want you to listen to the lyrics. I want you to take them in. Listen to me, ready? I want you to hold them tightly. Remember what you believed at first. For those of you that watch and observe other people being obedient in the waters of baptism, let it take you back to that significant point. Go back, <laughs> go back and remember. Go back and remember what you believed at first. Hold to it tightly. Repent and turn to him again if you need to. I'm gonna pray for us right now and then I'm gonna encourage you if you're ready to make that decision. Again, we got clothes for you. Maybe you're with somebody today and they feel uncomfortable. Look, look, look to them and say, hey, I'll walk down with you if you wanna go. I'll walk down with you if you wanna go. I wanna encourage you to come down, grab a towel and we've got a changing room in the back. We're gonna lead you to go get changed. Make today significant. Make today significant. Father God, I just wanna invite your presence into this room in a very, in a very tangible way. I want you to press, it, press in on us, God. Press in on us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Allow us to feel and know that you're near. Help us to go back and remember what we first believed and hold to it tightly. Help some of us to repent and turn and stop allowing you to stay in our periphery and bring you back and make you our priority again. God, some of us need to wake up. We need to wake up. Strengthen what remains. God, let it be a reminder that abundant life is on the table for each of us, but we have to step into it. God, would you help us all to take a step today, all of us to take a step today. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to respond. Some of you come and grab this towel from me.